So I love starting with action because I feel it immediately draws the reader into the story. I think it, it doesn't matter what age it is. I mean, kids especially will love love action. And this isn't an action and adventure novel. So yeah, I really wanted to start off with a bang. Um, and I just, the whole scene just kind of came to me that those first, those first few pages, those first few chapters, actually the whole book was kind of a gift that, you know, sometimes that happens in a writer's career. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. Ozzy is not in the studio with me today. I can hear him barking outside. It's because now that I use this different format, I'm noticing that as soon as my guest says hello, it's almost like he thinks somebody's at the door. And so then he's saying hello back. So. Let's see how we do. He's a stubborn little dog. Okay. But anyways, today I'm excited to have author and literary consultant, Alicia Savigny on the podcast. Alicia was born and raised in Kitimat, BC. Alicia has always had a strong connection to the environment and she has a conservationist spirit. She is joining me from the Grand Caymans. Now, Alicia is an author of young adult, middle grade, and children's books. She is a literary consultant for those seeking assistance in writing and publishing their novel. She holds a degree in professional writing and sociology from the University of Victoria. She is a film school graduate, former literary agent, and yoga teacher. She is passionate, as you will find out, about ancient civilizations and her new middle grade series, Secrets of the Sands, launched in 2020, with the first book being The Lost Scroll of the Physician, which is going to be followed up by The, De- the Desert Prince. This is a thrilling, thrilling series for any lover of ancient Egypt, mystery, and adventure. Hello, Alicia. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Joanne. It's so great to be here. I am so glad you could make it. I saw a fellow author, J.E. Jane Bernard. It was a few months back. She had posted on her Instagram a photo of the cover of The Lost Scroll of the Physician, I saw the cover and I thought, whoa, okay. (laughs) And having been a child who used to hate reading, I thought that would have, that would have been one of the books for me that would have have turned me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that book, oh my gosh. So we're going to get into this. The, The Lost Scroll of the Physician was a CCBC best books for the kids for 2020. And I was just wondering what, what, what does that all mean for those of us who don't write that age? Yeah. um, It's just basically the Canadian children's book center. They come out with a list of uh, what they think are the best books of 2020. And I was fortunate enough to have scroll included on that list this year. 
Perfect. It, it deserves it. Um, I, I, I was glued. I, Thank it, you. Yeah. So I'm curious, what made you decide to write young adult middle grade novels? Um, I feel like I I just kind of have that younger voice. Maybe I'm a little immature. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like I have a kind of a young voice. And I also, um, as a child, I loved reading so much. I was an avid reader and so passionate. And for me, books were really magical. And I kind of wanted to write a similar kind of story for, you know, kids out there who are even like people who are reluctant readers, um, because even though this is a middle grade YA novel, adults enjoy it as well. Um, and um, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to write something that I would have personally loved to read as a child. Yeah, because for me, like I say, I hated reading, but it was the Bobsy Twins. I that love was, the Bobsy Twins. <laughs> yeah, it was a game changer in your novel. Um, I'm not a middle grade reader, but I loved it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk first a bit about the mechanics of writing. Then we can dive into the history and the research you've done, starting with The Lost Scroll of the Physician. Can you tell our listeners what the inspiration was behind your book? Because, so our listeners know, Alicia is writing a novel that takes place 3,500 years ago in Egypt's history. <laughs> yes. So this um, novel was, um, the inspiration was actually, we're going to probably, I think, touch upon it a little bit later, was the Edwin Smith Medical Papyrus, which was a, a scroll, an ancient scroll that we actually exist today. It's a real life artifact um, and one of our most important medical artifacts that we have. Um, and I started learning about this scroll, which I'll talk a bit more about later um, and was just fascinated and then uh, then the scroll was kind of dated to this approximate time the second intermediate period and the more I started reading about the second intermediate period the more and more fascinated I got because um, it, the second intermediate period was a, a quite a mysterious time in Egypt's past um, and we don't we didn't know up until recently we didn't know a lot about it and and you know, even now today, there's still not so much known um, because of a reason that will you know come up in the second and third books. Um, but it's it was just so interesting to read about this this explore this kind of mysterious pocket of time that you know people didn't know a lot about. So I really kind of loved doing that, which made research really difficult, but it was it was great. <laughs> I never knew about the second intermediate period. Okay. Yeah, you know, most people are just familiar with like the the old kingdom, the middle kingdom, and the new kingdom, which are three main ones. And then you have the intermediate periods, are just basically what that means is there a time when Egypt fell into disarray, if you will, when they were kind of invaded by foreigners or taken over by people who were. So I fell in love with the story of the Hyksos people who kind of come into Egypt. Um, into the realm of Egypt at this time and they gain control of the land. And we talk that that gets a bit more explored in the second and the third novel, but um, I just thought it's so fascinating um, and I loved researching it. Awesome. Okay. Is there a particular passage you'd like to read from the novel? Um, I can read the first page. Sure. The cobra hisses in strike position, forked tongue flickering, hood flared wide. Its icy, flat stare remains unbroken except for the vertical blink of its eye. My fingers move up and down the long wooded reed, covering some holes and releasing others as the notes float up and up. 
gaze locked with mine, the snake slowly undulates from side to side, and my body relaxes a fraction as our spirits entwine. A crowd has formed. This is what I want. Vendors walk toward the spectacle, attention drawn. People point and laugh, momentarily distracted from the oppressive heat of midday as they move in closer for the show. My eyes don't leave the snakes, but I know Kai is weaving through the carts, lifting a plum here, palming a fig there, taking whatever is most easily an offer. Hopefully he'll find some bread, maybe some nuts and fruits, though there hasn't been much variety of late. My eyes, my ears strain for shouts, an exclamation of thief over a rumbling stomach, but the crowd is as mesmerized as the serpent. Snake charming is not common knowledge here. My father taught me the art, just as he taught me to read and write, also not so common, especially for a girl but he believed that learning and knowledge bestow power on their possessor. Unfortunately, all his knowledge and power were not enough to keep him and my mother from being killed. Pain blooms raw and fresh as if the cobra has struck my heart. Hasn't been only one moon since they were stolen from us? Focus. I need to focus or the snake's caw will break with mine. Then I will not be so safe. Though safety is mostly an illusion, I think. Yeah. 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 And I was hooked from that first first page. And talk about a hook. Um, Sesha, snake charmer, um, as well as learning to be a doctor. Okay. And from that page, you build the tension and you build the tension and you build the tension. And then, you know, it's that one line where Sesha's foot shoots out, right? And mm-hmm. We're in the action. Okay. So with the age group you write for, do you believe you need to start with action like right away? So I love starting with action because I feel it immediately draws the reader into the story. I think it it doesn't matter what age it is. I mean, kids especially will love, love action. And this isn't an action and adventure novel. So yeah, I really wanted to start off with a bang. Um, and I just, the whole scene just kind of came to me that those first, those first few pages, those first few chapters, actually the whole book was kind of a gift that, you know, sometimes that happens in a writer's career, books two and three, not so much, but this first book was a gift and it kind of just, you know, I saw it all happening there in the marketplace. Wow. And throughout this book, I kept thinking this could be a movie. I hope so. <laughs> you know, and I thought, okay this isn't to say anything negative against disney first i thought disney and i thought no no because the only thing i could think of was um the genie one i, I can't remember the aladdin name. yeah there yeah. are there's a little bit of an aladdin vibe in the first few pages for sure but but this is this is um a whole different level like a high i i want to say a higher level there's so much more to this this book okay thank you yeah yeah so I found this book as a, a great tool for authors. Um, literally, you, you grab the reader from page one. Session needs to find the lost scrolls because they provide a medical solutions to save her brother's life. Okay. You crank up the tension with the scrolls because those in power in Egypt, they want it because there's threat of war. And this, and we learn, like this is what we all learn, that the scrolls could provide instructions to uh, heal war wounds. You throw more conflict at Sesha because she's a girl during these times, and she wants an itch to further her education. 
So as I'm reading, I'm thinking, was there any one conflict that came to you first? Um, did you start writing Sesha's goal, find the scrolls? And then you think, okay, Sesha, I'm now going to throw this at you. And now I'm going to throw this at you. <laughs> okay, now we've got the threat of war. Boom. <laughs> Deal with it, girl. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did start with, the, you know, the at the core of the story is Sesha wanting to find the scroll to save her brother's life. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are other people who also want the scroll. So um, that was my main, that was my main core of the story. Um, you know, ancient Egypt was pretty advanced for the times and the fact that, um, you know, for the fact that she was a scribe and physician wouldn't have been unheard of, maybe not so common, but they were definitely a little bit more progressive than like even up until recent times in our own past, like, you know, 1900s and 1800s. Um they, you know, women could own and inherit property and, and all that. So um, I, I did want to make the whole girl thing a bit of an, an angle. Um, but um, yeah, I definitely started with the scroll, wanting to find her favorite brother, and then just boom, 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 kept, kept piling things on her, like you said, raising the stakes, raising the tension, um, trying, trying to make things as difficult for her as possible. As, we're not supposed to be nice to our characters as writers. <laughs> no, but it, but it, it works so well, you know, and uh the the tension and the stress it's not only it not only affects sesha but those around her um you know the the pharaoh he's going to marry off his daughter merat you know just smooth things over with the warring tribes like yeah that's a good solution okay right? <laughs> marry my solution back in those days (laughs) she didn't start the war like you know so to me this was another lesson another writing lesson because it's it's not only the character because really if you think about it in life it's not only this single character who has stress like you look around in real life each one of us has some form of stress of stuff that's going on. Okay. Yeah. We all have our stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and in this instance, it's, it's simple. Poor Marat is being married to a man she doesn't love. Okay. And I thought by having other characters experiencing conflict, not only does it ramp up the suspense and the intrigue, but to me, it made the story more real. Is, is yeah I think that's what you're saying is so so true so so on target I feel like when you have um you know your secondary characters and you give them you know problems and goals and inner lives of their own then it just helps to make the story richer and flushes everything out a bit more um you know friendship is a very central theme to this book and Sasha has her friends Pacer and Reb um as well as Mirat Princess Mirat um, to kind of help her. So um, it, it, it is really, it was really important that I kind of develop these characters as much as I could without, you know, still having to focus on, on Sasha's story and not getting too, too sidelined. It's, it's always a balancing act and you never know how much or how little. So it's kind of just have to go with your gut, I guess. And yeah, yeah hopefully it works out. <laughs> but then you also, you know, it's not just I don't want to say conflict for the sake of conflict, but you wrap it up like a nice package. I'm just thinking about the ending, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it all comes full circle, right? Um, now, as much as this is a young adult novel, you weave in politics. And uh, I thought that w- that was 
really amazing. And I, I had said it to my husband last night. I was telling him about your book. And I said, it's young adult, but Alicia weaves in politics. And I go, and she has this line, if I, if you don't mind me reading it. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. And the, the line that struck me was, famine is not good for political stability, particularly when combined with whispers of war. And I just thought, okay, can the politician, politicians in the world take note? <laughs> you know? So I, I was wondering, why did you want to include a political environment in this novel? I started writing this book into, I think it was around 2016. So there was, it was around the time of the first election where, where Trump was elected into the U.S. So politics are very much on my mind as, you know, as Canadians are fascinated with American politics. Um, so I think it was kind of almost subliminal where just kind of, you know, and, and a lot of our conflicts that we have today politically and, you know, between nations are, you know, are from the beginning of time and they just repeat themselves over and over. So historical fiction is a great way to kind of, I don't know, open your eyes to, to see that this isn't new. What's happening here has happened before. And can we please like learn already? (laughs) So we have a bit of politics, and then you touch upon spirituality in this novel, which is, it's beautiful. So I wanted to know, can you explain what Ka, and that's spelled Mm K-A, and Ba, just for our listeners, B-A, means when it comes to the splitting of souls when a person yeah dies. um the so not to get too complicated here but the ancient Egyptians believed that the souls was divided into five parts and the two main ones were kind of the, the ka and the ba so the the ka it was the ba sorry the ba was kind of like your personality you know what made you you um your not really physical traits but your kind of your your personality and your, your what made you unique what made you you and and that's the ba and then the ka was kind of like um the part of um your soul i guess that um was like your individual life force so people's individual life force so it's 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 a little bit confusing but i tried to make it clear because this this novel is for kids and they believe that the every night the ka and the ba would reunite um in the tomb um in the person's you know sarcophagus to rest and get ready for the next day so the ba would kind of stay here on earth and look after your family and your friends the ka would go up to the land of reeds which they would believe was their heaven and then come back they would reunite in the tomb um in the physical body the ak which is the other part of the soul which which is why egyptians preserved the body so those the ka and the ba would have a home to come to every night um to reunite in their soul that's beautiful that's beautiful yeah. Ah. So we have moments with regards to the political scene and definite tension and there's stress for our heroine, but you also have light moments. And even when this, the situation is looking dire for poor Sesha, she finds, and as you write, a small bud of elation, you know, hope. And, um, kind of weaving into the medicine in this novel a particular line of dialogue i enjoyed 
And it's a chapter chapter opener, okay? A, a lighter moment, which I thought was funny. <laughs> so Sesha is 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 doing her medical training, and it's it's the one scribe. He says, "Who here can tell me the proper treatment for involuntary loosening of the bowels?" The scribe asks, voice commanding. That is a great dialogue. That is a great way to open a chapter. At just. What made you decide to include that? Um, I don't know. I think middle graders like poop jokes. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> <that helps> <laughs> so I think that I always strive to balance the dark and the light. I think humor is a wonderful way to do that in novels and in life in general. Um, we need to be able to laugh at the absurdities of life because it would be a very grim place if we didn't. So I always try to kind of, you know, have the humor in in my in my writing in my books and I think it's it's also nice for the the reader to help relieve some of that tension as well it was it, I just I remember it was in a really good place too because like I say you know oh yeah she's about to go into her first day as a scribe with like all the temple scribes and she's the only girl so she's all stressed out yeah 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 um and still carrying on with medicine I have to know about the pregnancy test, okay? Was it really a matter of peeing on seeds? <laughs> How did yeah, you find this yeah. out? Oh, research is amazing. I love research. I'm such a research nerd. Um, so I think they did this in a laboratory and they proved it was like had 70% accuracy, which was not bad for for the time. So yes, you a woman would would pee on seeds, these summer, these certain seeds um, of like wheat or barley, or I think it was emmer seeds as well. And they, if she was pregnant, they would sprout. And it was believed the, I mean, they didn't know that it was the estrogen at the time, but it was, it's believed that estrogen is what made these kind of the, the, the seeds sprout. Um, they, they probably started to grow due to the elevated levels of estrogen. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sesha's brother, he is sick. And as I was reading, she mentions, because they don't know, she he has an ailment. And there's a, a point where he is unconscious and his limbs thrash. And I was curious. I thought, when I was reading this, I thought, does Kai have epilepsy? Yeah, no, that's a really great thought. He, um, so his, it's a bit more complicated. I knew what he had, but I don't think the reader needed to know to, know to kind of, because they wouldn't have known at the time exactly what he had, right? They would yeah. have just been, they would have just seen the symptoms. So he actually, when he was younger, he, she does speak about him getting sick, uh, getting a high fever, um, which, so Kai contracted meningitis when he was younger, which, you know, they don't have the name for then. Yeah. Um, and then that caused hydrocephalus, which is water in the brain, which ca- is what causes him to have seizures and that pressure in the kind of brain, which is why she needs to do the surgery to, she needs to, you know, to do the surgery to relieve that pressure. Um, so technically it was, I guess, hydrocephalus um, caused via meningitis, which is what I decided that was okay. that, that Kai had. But okay. he does have a seizure for sure. Yeah. And uh, as a result of that. Okay. It, it was, it, like I say, it was very fascinating. Um, I was amazed with the research. As you said in the beginning, you are writing a story that takes place in the second intermediate period. I have this, I had to write this down. <laughs> Approximately 1650 to 1550 BCE. 
or as noted in your author's note, 3,500 years ago. <laughs> okay, so thinking about a timeline. When does the second intermediate period take place if I'm thinking about Cleopatra and the construction of the Great Pyramids? Yeah, that's a really great question. So um, as I mentioned before, it's a little, the second intermediate period is a little blip in Egypt's history. And it was uh, occurred about a thousand years after, 1000 years after the Great Pyramids were built and about 1600 years before Cleopatra and her famous asp bite. Um, so yeah, so that gives you an idea of how long an illustrious Egypt's history was and, you know, how Canada and, you know, the U.S., we're just babies compared to to how long and, and illustrious uh, ancient Egypt was. Right. Okay. Okay. So where do you go to get this, to research, to find out this information? Oh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, did a lot of research uh, online. I read a lot of academic journals online. Um, I went to the Royal Ontario Museum of Ontario and was able to access their archives and did research there. I talked to an Egyptologist. Um, I watched documentaries. Um, I, you know, I just did everything I could to kind of make sure it was well-rounded and as in-depth as possible. Um, and as I do mention, because we, there are a lot of things that we, we don't know for sure. So you know, gave me a certain amount of flexibility, although I did try to make everything as historically accurate as possible. Um, but yeah, and things are, and things we find out are always changing. Like there could be a discovery tomorrow that could rewrite something that we believe to be true. So yeah, I mean, research is always in flux, but I just, I really made sure to kind of do the best that I could with what I had. Perfect. Perfect. And have you ever seen a papyrus? I've well, not in real life. I'm oh, the papyrus, the Edmondson medical papyrus. I've seen it online. They actually have it online where you can go through it, which is an amazing thing. It's in the New York Academy of Medicine. Um, but um, I was supposed to go to Egypt uh, in last April, of course. Um, that got canceled because of a certain pandemic that, <laughs> that we're in the midst of. Um, but uh, yeah, it uh, and I've made like homemade papyrus with my with like for crafts with kids and stuff when I, when I do like online workshops or virtual fun things with kids, but uh, it's of course not the real thing, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. It was fascinating. Um, now the, what I also noticed was when you were um, writing Sesha's dialogue. So our listeners and our, our fellow authors know this takes place 3,500 years ago you're researching. Sesha is not going to talk like you or me or someone even a hundred years ago. And so I noticed that Sesha's dialogue is, is proper, it's respectful, it's formal. And I wanted to know, how did you decide or what were the factors that made you decide how to write her dialogue? This was a real tricky one. So her voice just kind of came to me and I didn't overthink it because if I thought too much about the language and the voice, it was going to drive me crazy because I'm also, I'm coming, we're, we're, everything we know about Egypt is through, you know, a lot of it is through, through about this time was uh, not only in research, but also through a, a kind of a post-colonial lens with like, you know, the, the first archaeologists and, and, you know, that's changing of course, which is wonderful. Um, and a lot of the stuff we know about the second period was based on a Greek guy named Manitho 
who was writing about it, you know, also hundreds of years after the events happened. So, um, for example, like I, the language, if I, I, again, if I thought too much about it, I was going to go crazy because, you know, they didn't even call their land Egypt. That is a word given to them by the Greeks. Um, they called their land Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, which meant the black land, which referred to the fertile valley around the Nile. So, and they didn't even call their pharaoh pharaoh. They called their pharaoh king. Uh, it wasn't until much later that pharaoh became a word associated with with Egypt. I chose to use the words that people were familiar with because I was just gonna. It's for kids, and I don't want to like mess with their heads too much. I want to make it as easy as possible for them. But I do make a note of that in in I think the the author's note. Yeah. Um, and. Um, just her, again, her voice just kind of came to me and I just went with it. So it is, it is kind of proper and formal and a little bit old fashioned, but I, I felt like that just kind of fit the vibe. Yeah, it, it, it definitely fit. Um, now you said the secret scroll, it's a real life document you can see in New York. Yeah, you can see it at the New York Academy of Medicine. And um, it's, like again, one of the most important ancient artifacts that we have today. Not not in terms of only medical, but like out of everything. Like it's a, it's a it's a really it's one that there it's a papyrus that um the scroll, it's like the scroll that is the, the in the main title of the book, The Lost Scroll of the Physician. So this papyrus is actually based on an older papyrus called believed to have written by Imhotep, who was Egypt's first kind of um vizier and astronomer and doctor and and he was basically a, a, a well-rounded fellow uh, a jack of all trades if you will um so he was quite he built the first step pyramid for king jose uh so um he they this scroll that her her sasha and her father who's transcribed is believed to have been based on imhotep's original scroll and this is a scroll that is in the New York Academy of Medicine. So basically, I'm suggesting that the author of this scroll that exists today was, it's like a fictionalized um, author of Sesha and her father were the, the authors of this scroll that exists today. Wow. Okay. Okay. So Sesha's father had the scrolls. And you can see how the high priest wouldn't want the discovery of these scrolls. And, you know, the science and the medicine the scrolls represent and the possible disregarding of some spells and incantations. And for a young adult novel, you deal with adult themes. And I was curious. You said you started writing it in 2016. And yeah, I think that's when I started writing it. Yeah, so, I received a grant <laughs> from okay. the Ontario Arts Council, so thanks to them. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I couldn't help it, but uh, and I'm curious. You wrote the novel in 2016. Did you? No one, none of us fathomed we would be going through a pandemic when you know there would be individuals in power who would disregard the medicine, disregard the science, make false statements. Did did you have a feeling of did, no, when this is go, like when the, all of this is going on, did you think, oh my God, this is my book? <laughs> um, well, not really until you actually mentioned it. I'm like, geez, I was pretty prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've been so busy working on the second and third ones that I never really thought about it. But now that you mentioned it, like it is actually quite, there's quite the parallel between 
the book and what's kind of been happening today. Um, and, you know, just wanting to, to push aside the science and, and kind of ignore it or, or whatever, just to suit your own purposes, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, thank you for pointing that out to me. <laughs> it makes me sound really hard. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's life imitating art, like the art yeah. first, right? Yeah. Um, so Alicia, may I, if you would like to, this is your author's note. Would you like to read like that? Oh, letter? you go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just struck by this. Um, so in at the very end and, and Alicia's author's note, she writes now, hopefully my dog won't interrupt me. He has done this very key moments. Okay. You can sense the emotion in your voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you write, I would love for this series to inspire you and other young readers to get excited about history and to explore it for yourself. Unearthing your own thrilling adventures and stories along the way. But while you do, be mindful of your own lens that you look at the world through and remember that other people have their own lenses too. We are all brothers and sisters who share a home called Earth and we must do what we can for it and for one another. I read that and I just thought, oh, God, yes. Oh, thank you. And I want, I want young adults, read this. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. our future, right? Don't do what, the mistakes we've done. Yeah. Well, Alicia, I have to say, I'm so thank God for authors, for artists, for musicians, for creatives, for scribes, for um, enlightening us and ha have us look at the world, as you say, through different lenses. Is there anything you would like to add? And where can people find you? Where can they find you? Oh, yeah. You can find me online. My website is just my name, alicia70.com. Um, I'm on social media under Alicia70 on, you know, the usual Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And uh, anything to add? Um, no, I just hope people read the book. And I know if they do, they'll fall in love with it. And hopefully they share that with their friends and family. Uh, being a writer is so hard today. There's just so much information out there and getting kind of, I guess, discovered, if you will, is that's, you know, writing the book is like only half the battle. It's all about finding, finding your readers. So I hope that this book finds its readers and anyone who loves, you know, adventure and mystery and Good. ancient Egypt or, or civilizations will hopefully love the book. Well, I loved it. I loved it. I want to really thank you for coming on my podcast and uh, I hope you come back again. For, oh, I'd love to. The <laughs> Anytime. Desert. All right. The Desert Prince. Now, when is when is that? Is That's not out yet, is it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it came yes. out in the fall, actually. Yeah, the Desert Prince, it kind of came out very quietly just because there was a lot of shakeup in the publishing industry with COVID. So it, got, it, it came out in September. So it is available. I'm working on the edits for the third book, The Oracle of Varus. And that should be out next January, the third one. So... Okay, we're, I'll get you on here. Awesome. <laughs> we'll get you on here. Yeah. Listeners, please, if you could support our artists, our writers, our creatives, um, it's really easy. 
The, my you website. You can get the book on the Kindle, on Amazon, order it through your bookstore, your local bookstore, whatever. Perfect. And uh, listeners, um, just jcvartstudio.net. I will have the show notes for this episode. I will have all of Alicia's links. Okay, Thank Alicia. you so much for having me, Joanna. I really appreciate it. Have a lovely evening.